0: This out last time I taught, but you know I think about verses for me that um, have carried me. One of those is Second Timothy three sixteen. If Amy was here, I know she would know it. But most of you, some of you may know it. Anybody remember what it is? That's right. So all Scripture is inspired or God breathed, and it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so to be corrected to be trained, um, and to grow in our righteousness. And so that's why we do what we do. Hebrews 11.1, and I love our Wednesday night time together, and I remember going through Hebrews. um, It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about the things we do not see. I'm going to say that again. Faith is the confidence, having confidence in the things we hope for when we can't see any evidence of it. That's the walk of faith. And... Romans 10.17 says, by the way, who would like more faith? Raise your hand. Yeah. So you know how you get faith? Romans 10.17 is the answer. Faith comes from hearing the message. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're here to hear the word of God and grow our faith, what God's plan is. And again, show of hands, who would... Appreciate more faith in their life? Who wants less faith? Okay. I just want to make sure we're here. Um, If you take notes, I want you to know and be reminded and be concerned about the fact that there is competition out there for your mind, for my mind. There's competition for the way you think about things, about life. Um, And we have an enemy. And I need to remind you, we have an enemy. And if you're a young person, we have an enemy. If you're an older person, we have an enemy. John 10.10 says that the thief comes only, the thief is the enemy, Satan. He comes only to do one thing to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what the thief wants to do to everybody in this room. And oftentimes it's through our mind. And um, Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And if you're like me, you probably want to walk in an abundant life and not walk in a life where the thief has stolen uh, everything that's good. And so that's why we do what we do. Um, I believe that a lot of our problem. My wife and I talk about this a lot. Um, that uh, Satan is a liar, fear is a liar. We have a lot of head trash. We have a lot of wrong, stinking thinking in our brain that we chew on. And what we do on Sunday mornings, and if you only do it Sunday morning, I want to encourage you that you get in the habit of doing it all the time, like eating food. That you feast on the Word of God. Um. It cleanses our mind. Ephesians five twenty six and seven said, "Christ loved the church, cleansing her by washing with washes us." Uh, Romans twelve two. This is a great one if you to just memorize, write it down, put it in your back pocket. Romans twelve two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds need to be renewed. And I'm telling you, if you walk through this life, you are pummeled every moment. The the moment you walk out that door, if you turn on the radio to a wrong station, if you watch the news, if you listen to wrong music, if you watch wrong TV, there's an enemy who's vying for your mind. And you need to be, I need to be aware of that. Because that's how he works. Most of our problems are between our left and right ear that we chew on. The Word of God renews our mind. That's why we do what we do. So when, when we leave today, if you could remember one thing, we have an enemy, and he wants to control our mind. Be aware of that. I just want to encourage you, be aware of that, because we have tools. Um, we're in Psalm 28 and 29. Hopefully we get through those two chapters. Last time I taught, I actually spoke a little bit. You know, the beauty of me teaching is they can't fire me, right? So if the, you know, Rick doesn't like what I'm saying, then he just never asks me again. And then I get my weekend free. Um, the benefit of actually, I, I spoke about the benefit of physically bringing a Bible to church. And I you know don't want to insult younger people and iPhones and all of that. Good for you. Um, raise your Bible if you have one. Um, and I, I'm not saying that for any other reason than I think There's great value in it. Um, I have, and I'll share a little bit, I have so much written in the margins of my Bible from years and years and years ago that are an encouragement to me today. And I'm so grateful that my memory gets triggered to God's faithfulness. I I suggest you have a hard time doing that with an iPhone on Sunday mornings. That's just my opinion. When I challenge folks, uh, get a Bible, bring it I had actually a few people came up to me the next week and the week after and said, I ordered a Bible. I have my new Bible. My study Bible came in. That's an encouragement. This is the sword of the Spirit. Bring it with you. Bring it with you to church. Um, I got this Bible, and this is just pure trivia. It seems like yesterday. I got it my sophomore year of college. Uh, It's been rebound. It's been redone. It's been fixed. It's been... But, and that's why I teach in the NIV, I'm not changing after 40 years, sorry. Um, But I have notes from when I was a senior in college, early marriage, first job, first, you know, just stuff where, just pouring out to God. And um, it's a blessing back to not you, but to me, in my walk. And we often talk about, you know, the older we get, we have a bigger rearview mirror of events in life where God was faithful, and I'm grateful that some of that I wrote down, and it is an encouragement to me. So uh, for what that's worth, if you can do that quickly in your iPhone, then keep going, but get a Bible and bring a pen to church. Uh, Psalm 28. um, Bill left off on Psalm 27. And by the way, again, thank you to the worship team. For me personally, um, it's great to... Have your mind set on the creator coming into this time. It's just important. So um, I'm reminded that psalms were meant to be sung. Uh, these were written to be sung. And oftentimes you'll see spots of, uh, to the stringed instrument, and there's musical terms. Um, I think God loves singing. I think God created music. I think we'll be doing a little bit of singing in heaven. The Bible's full of singing. Uh, The morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. Moses sang on the journey to the promised land. Um, David sang a lot. David wrote songs. Hezekiah's singers sang the words of David. Two choirs sang when the walls of Jerusalem were finished. Uh, Jesus and his disciples sang at the Last Supper. I hope you like singing or at least humming, because um, I think we're going to do uh, a bunch of it, and that's why we do it on Sundays. I think it uh, pleases God, uh, and it should rest our soul. God created music. This is, uh, psalm 28 is a psalm of David. It's, uh, you know The psalms are a collection of poems. They're often set to music. Um, and when you think about these psalms, this is his heart. This is really personal. This is a glimpse into a guy, a real guy with real struggles, and how he really thought about them before a real God. And we get a glimpse into that. And he's no different than us. He, David's no different than us. And I think we have a chance to uh, learn and see um, how he dealt with tough things and be inspired by that. Uh, this is a heartfelt prayer, Psalm 28, in a plea to God. It's a cry for help. It's a, a declaration of praise and trust. Uh, in him, it's a request for justice, and it's, uh, uh, it, it shows confidence in God's response and ultimately gratitude and praise. So, look at the nine verses. To you I call, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you remain silent, if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back upon them what they deserve. And what his hands have done he will tear them down and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My, my heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance be the shepherd and carry them forever. Um, right off the bat, David cries out to the Lord and went to what he called the rock. And so I think of um, you and I. When life gets difficult, where do you go immediately? What is your instinct when something tragic something overwhelming, something depressing, something disappointed, where do you go immediately? Where do I go? And I wonder, um, even us in this room, I suspect there are times that even us in this room, some of us go first to the pastor. Some of us go first to maybe our mom and dad. Some of us go first to maybe our friend. Some of us go first to maybe our spouse. Some of us go first to our parents. Um, David went to, to his rock first. And, you know, sometimes our advice is not good advice when people come to us. It's not always godly. Sometimes it's just our best thinking. And David felt like, he was going to go to his rock first in tragedy and hard times and we'll talk practically about what that means but I want to challenge you because sometimes we go to people and I'm not saying that that's wrong but sometimes in lieu of going to God we go to people and we never God what would you have we just run to people and we run for advice and so I just I caution that for me for us um, And then uh, he says, do not turn a deaf ear to me. To you I call, O my Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you remain silent, it will be like those who have gone down to the pit. And I really paused on this verse in about this idea that God, um, the idea of God remaining silent is these. Um, And I really pondered that. Um, that idea of remaining silent, and I thought about what hell might be like, and Hades might be like. And one of the things I thought about is that there is no voice of God in that place. Um, I, as I was reading that, it caused me in you know I'm not a, I'm not a Trekkie for those Star Trek people, but I'm actually going to quote Captain Kirk. Um, Actually, I'm not quoting him. I'm actually going to quote William Shatner. Um, but I, I caught this interview, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And William Shatner went to space. I don't know if any of you remember that. But he had, a, he had a comment about that. And it just it really caused me to think. He This is what he said when he went to space. I don't know if it was on, I don't know who the, I don't it wasn't Elon Musk's Virgin Atlantic, one of these. But he, was it Bezos? So he went to space. He, you know, he was on the edge of it. He didn't like go to venus or anything but um this is what he said about his trip he said my trip to space was supposed to be a celebration instead it felt like a funeral he wrote it was among the strongest feelings of grief i have ever encountered the contrast between the vicious coldness of space and the warm nurturing of earth below filled me with an overwhelming sadness not a christian you know i don't know what his belief system is but this idea of going to this place void this is how he felt and i think hades is a bit like that and i think when we go to places where the voice of god isn't there that's what that's like and i as i was thinking about god remaining silent i don't know that that's in his nature um And I think, and listen, uh, next week Bill could get up here and teach the same passage and have a completely different view on it, and that's fine, or Pastor Rick. But for me, I think that oftentimes God is silent. If this is the inspired word of God, the voice of God, and this is closed all the time, God is silent. And I don't think that's where he wants us to be And I challenge you, don't wait to hear from God only on Sundays. Life is too challenging otherwise. We need his voice daily. I think that without being in God's word on a regular basis, it's like William Shatner. It was among the strongest feelings of grief and cold. And I don't think we even know. We feel those things and we don't even know why. I challenge you, maybe you're not in the word of God on a regular basis. I challenge me. So I think when God is silent, maybe we need to be in his word. Um, what's interesting is, and I love the worship, as I said, and I appreciate Joel and just the whole family and gang, and um, a lot of the songs spoke to the name of God, his name being lifted up. Oh. One of the things um, that I love is in Psalm 138, uh, lifted his word the same, or in some cases, above his very name. So the word of God just has a priority in God's mind as well. Um, Job 23.12 says that I've treasured God's word more than my daily food. Uh, So be in the word of God. That's why we do it. Verse 2 reads... um, Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Um, That's what David did when he was distraught. He lifted up his holy hands. It's interesting, Psalm 63, 4, different Psalm from David. So here's David in this Psalm, 28. He's lifting up his hands as he cries for mercy and calls for help. He lifts up his hands. In Psalm 63, it says, because, this is David again, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you, I will praise you as long as I live, and I will, and in your name, I will lift up my hands. So here's David, on one hand, he's lifting up his hands, uh, looking for help from God, crying out for mercy. And then on another Psalm, he's lifting up his hands, uh, because he's praising God, um, we need to go to God both in the good times lifting up our hands and in the tough times lifting up our hands. Uh, it's, easy, it's easy when things are going well. Sometimes that's when you come to church. Things are great. We go to church, and then as soon as life gets hard, so and sos disappeared. Well, what's going on? Well, they're going through a tough time, and people stop going to church. Sometimes it's just the opposite. People are here at church when things are really hard, and as soon as things get good, they go away. God wants us to press into him when things are hard and press into him when things are good and lift up holy hands. Um, I love asking questions. So if you're somebody who either needs help, like David did in Psalm 28, or you're somebody who's praising God for his goodness, uh, like David did in Psalm 63, Right now, lift up your hands. So if you're not lifting up your hands, you're not. it's not that you're struggling and it's not that you're praising. Keep them up for a second. Lift them if you're doing good. Lift them if you're struggling and needing help. Right? It, and then lift up your hands if you're uncomfortable lifting up your hands. I say that because... Who is uncomfortable lifting their hand? Anybody? I want to encourage us. Me too. David lifted his hands in the good times and the bad times. And I know sometimes we can come to church during worship, and people can feel very awkward lifting up your hands. Or you can be looking at other people like, why are they being weird lifting up their hands? Maybe it's because they're lifting up their hands because they need something from God. Maybe they're lifting up their hands because they're praising God. And let's be comfortable with that. Is that fair? Lift up your hands if you agree. All right, so you guys know how to do it. All right. Um, In verse three and four, uh, it says, do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Um, Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back upon them what they deserve. David pleads for justice. What's interesting is he doesn't take matters in his own hands, and sometimes we want to get involved in bringing the wrath down on people who deserve it. And we're going to... What David does is says, God, you do your thing and have what, have what they're doing come back on them. And I was just thinking about... Um, the verse where it says, God will not be mocked. This is another one of my verses that I, a man reaps what he sows. That's just a life kind of verse. We need to be reminded. A man reaps what he sows. So many times people are going through difficult things. But the truth is, it's stuff that they have brought upon themselves. And so I think David is crying for justice, but to God. And um, basically saying, let, let them reap what they sow. Those are the enemies. He didn't go out fighting. He just prayed to God that the enemies would reap what they sow. Verse 5 says, um, since they show no regard for the works of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. And I paused on this um, idea of showing no regard for the works of the Lord. And I wondered about me. How often I may not show regard for the good things that God has done? And are you continually showing regard for the great things he has done? It's easy to slide through this walk and never pause and show regard for the things God has done. And I think if we were people who showed regard for the things God has done, I suspect it would change our demeanor that we would be people who are uh, grateful people. Um, So David points to these people who show no regard. I read it and I said, what about me? Am I somebody who shows regard? We are people that, all of us in this room, I'm pretty certain and I don't know all of us. But I suspect we're, we're we're we have roof over our head. I suspect that we have, we'll have, have a meal tonight. Um, I suspect that we have safety where we live. Um, and we have shelter. We need to show regard for, for his goodness. I need to show regard. That's something I just I want to be in that. Continuum. Praise be to the Lord, for He has heard my cry for mercy, and um, David's grateful. He starts naming who the Lord is, and I love this. The Lord, the Lord, is my strength, my shield. Um, my heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. He's my rock, my shield. Uh, If you keep going down, um, he's the fortress. Um, We live in a world where we hang on to a lot of unstable things. And I think about even just jobs. I mean, if your strength is found in your job, good luck, right? Right? Uh, if your If your strength is found in your retirement plan or um, whatever you're holding on to for your strength, uh, David found it um, elsewhere, and I need to be encouraged that the Lord needs to be my rock, even our health. sometimes we put all of our trust in our health um, there's no, none of that's guaranteed, but he is. The Lord is my is the strength of his people, a fortress. All of that. Verse nine says this: Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be the sh- be their shepherd and carry them forever. I uh, I paused at this. Um, we are his inheritance. That is so. Um, contrary to what you would think. I mean, you think, okay, an an inheritance is when somebody dies, they pass something on to you, and you get something. And uh, when we die, I think of God as my inheritance, and heaven my inheritance. But God views us, when we die, as what he's going to get. He As precious as you might think of your potential inheritance, if you have one, uh, we certainly have an eternal inheritance, God views you and you and you as that's what he's getting. And if you pause on that, that you by name are his inheritance, that's how much he loves you. And, you know, when you walk out that door, no matter how lonely or hopeless you might feel, I want you to remember you, not us collectively, but you by name are his inheritance, and he's excited about you. That brings me comfort. I said at the beginning, we live in a world full of lies. There's a world full of lies. The reason we go through just a Psalm 28, one psalm, is I hope it washes our mind into, this is truth. And not the lies that are out there. So uh, be comforted by that. Uh, Psalm twenty-nine. Let me read that. And by the way, before I read it, I had a lot of fun um, preparing for this because I, I indicated I, you know, I've had this Bible a long time. Um, I got it when I turned two. I think right forty years. Um, what I enjoyed, what's that? (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, I tried, uh, but uh, where I had fun is just in this little section, this is just one little part. I had, I had some notes and I had notes over a bunch of different years one of the notes was, uh, it said, Sunday Night Praise, J. Snodderly, um, July 2nd. I didn't write the year, I wish I did, but I can guess the year, roughly. And it was uh, 94, 95-ish, 1995. Um, but it was Sunday Night Praise, PTL, I said. And I, when I read that, it took me right back to our church in Palmdale, California, which was in the high desert. And on Sunday nights, we would have, um, I, I don't remember if it was once a month or I think it was maybe once a month, we had a time of just praise and worship on Sunday nights. And people would come in and all we did was praise and worship. And we had talent like this guy, Joel over here, on the worship stage and everybody stood and the back doors were open, and something about the desert evening in July, the wind blew through, it's the desert, the sun is warm, it's, a, it's, it's just a memorable, wonderful event, and the Holy Spirit was there every time we did that. And when I read that little note, it reminded me. It reminded me. Um, that was a good reminder. It was a very sweet, Memory, and I'm grateful for it. I have another note, April 17th, 2001. And it was, uh, it said, Lord, yes, struggling with job stress. And this is when we were in California and we were struggling with what our future was. We didn't know it. Four kids struggling with job stuff, desiring to come back to home, which was upstate New York. Um, confused, um, just, it was a time of turmoil. I don't know how old I was in 01. 30, the early 30s. Four kids, just expenses, just confusion. And um, I wrote it down, and I remember that. And it, it was a heartfelt cry for the Lord. That was in 2001 in April, In another margin, December 31st, the same year, and it said this, Lord, you placed us in Saratoga. We're renting a house on Saratoga Lake. April, we were confused. December, we were where we wanted to be, and we were living on a lake. And God exceeded our expectations, and I remember that. He was faithful. Same page. I apparently spent time in the Psalms. Same page in September 2016. This is what I wrote down. It says feeling anxious with new role. My ego is impacted. Please ra- recalibrate my value in you, not by man. I went from being I went from being like number 2 in a company to being what felt like pushed in a corner. And it just it whacked me out, honestly. I struggled. And I needed to struggle because that needed to be cleaned up. And I'm grateful for that trial. And I'm grateful I wrote it down, because now I remember. And I might not have remembered that, but it was right here. So I'm grateful. None of that means anything to you, but it means something to me. And God is faithful and journal, because there will be a... My point is God's faithful, and we forget quickly when we're in the middle of a trial. Um... Psalm 29 Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Um He deserves these characteristics. Uh, give unto, ascribe, give what's due his name. You know, I think we did that in any of those songs. That's why we worship. Um, His name is above all things. And as I said earlier, in Psalm 138, it says, you have exalted your name above all things, your name and your word. So as high as his name is, he exalts his word, what we're studying right now. It is, I can't emphasize, be in the word. It washes us. It recalibrates us. It's good for us. Otherwise, the enemy will mess with our thinking. And we need to be people that get recalibrated all the time. Um, I find this interesting. Um, verses three, let me just keep going here. Ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord, uh, do his name, Verse 3, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the muddy water. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice uh, breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes. Uh, With flashes of lightning, the voice of the Lord shakes the desert, shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks, strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people. I found it interesting that in the previous chapter, 28, David is struggling with hearing the voice of God. God seems silent. The very next chapter, the voice of God, is it silent? No, it's, it's, uh, it's powerful, it's majestic, it breaks the cedars, it strikes with flashes of lightning, it shakes the desert, it twists the oaks, it strips the forest bear. If you're struggling to hear God's voice that way, Read his word. Spend time in his word. I'm convinced that when we're out of the word, we're in chapter 27, for if you remain silent, God, it's like I went to the pit. If we're in the word, I think it's powerful, majestic. It breaks the cedars. It strikes with flashing lightning. Spend time in his word. Spend time in his word. Um, verse 10 The Lord sits over the flood. Uh, The Lord didn't sit under the flood. And the flood, if you have a flood in your life right now, God sits over that. And I am grateful that he is over that. He's not under it. He's not in it. He's over it. He has control. And that brings me great peace. Um, The Lord gives strength. Verse 11, um, to his people. The Lord blesses his people. Bill, I know you wanted me to end at 11. Well, 40 minutes. Um, Here is what I would love when people walk out that door. Hopefully they stay for Soup Sunday. But when they ultimately walk out that door, here's things I'd love us to remember. And if even you take one nugget away from this, then you've taken something away. Um. Here are the three things. One is we have an enemy and he speaks lies to us. I know that and I think about that in my own life. And there are oftentimes I call him out and say, that's a lie. And you, we need to get good at that. Otherwise, we're going to chew on those lies. And trust me, it will affect your life. He's a liar. The enemy is a liar. The enemy is a liar. Uh, this book is God's word. So much so, he, he, it's equivalent to his this book that high up. Um, it's a sponge on our brain, and it cleans us. The more time you're in it, the more cleaning happens in your brain. Um, when you feel like God is silent, maybe it's you, and maybe you need to crack open the book and hear his voice. And I want to encourage you to do that. And the bonus, if you don't remember any of those three things, I know you know all how to raise your hands. But don't be self-conscious about that. When we praise and worship, take a moment, if you're struggling, to just give that to God. And if you're grateful and God's good and you're in a great place, give that to God. Um, so I give you three points and a bonus, and then here's a practical thought, and we'll end with this. I, 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 I don't want to m- m- mislead you to believe that I'm somebody that I'm not. I'm a, I struggle with everything that all of you struggle with. i I, I got w- bad thinking at times. I've got problems. I, you know I struggle with all the same stuff we all struggle with. Um, and, there, and there are times that I might read the Bible and it feels pretty dry to me. Does anybody ever have that? Right? Piece of advice. My practical pre- piece of advice is pray through what you're reading. And I found for me, it makes wherever I am come alive. And what do I mean by pray through it? Um, Psalm 29, we're here. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord. I, I, I'm like Lord. Uh, you are due glory. Um, glory is due your name, and I worship you in the splendor of your holiness. Verse three. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of the Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The Lord is powerful. Lord, thank you that you are powerful. Your word is powerful. Thank you that you're majestic. Thank you that you have the ability to break the cedars, break strongholds. Lord, that you um, can make the Lebanon skip like a calf. The voice of the Lord, Lord, thank you that your word uh, flashes when it comes into my heart. Thank you for those memories that when I see them again, they're like flashing lightning. Um, and your goodness there. And so when you pray through scripture, sometimes that can take a time of maybe it being dry and adding more life to it. It may work for you, it may not. It works for me. Uh, I'm grateful for his word and he wants us to seek him. So I know we're being obedient when we seek him. So with that, let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you for Uh, our time together. Thank you that you're here with us. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that your word is living and true, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And Lord, thank you that it does not return void. Father, I pray that your word would penetrate each of our hearts, that um, the promise of it would, would work its way in each of us individually where we're at, Father, I pray that anything that was a distraction that didn't seem right would just get flushed down uh, the toilet, that anything that was of you, thank you for what you're doing with us. Thank you for uh, the worship today, as I said, and for just your goodness that you meet us here and that, Lord, you view us as your inheritance, and that delights you. And thank you that you know our name. In Jesus' precious name, amen.